Hey y'all, welcome back to the Broke Girl Society podcast. Uh, we are rolling on into episode four uh, with Kitty Mart, and we, we're calling this the Kitty Chronicles because uh, she's absolutely lovely. Uh, Kitty Mart is a woman in long-term recovery. She's a peer support. Uh, she's the executive director of the Voices of Problem Gambling and Recovery, and she is absolutely lovely. And I wish you guys, each and every one of you guys could uh, get to meet her because she's she's such positive light. So going into this episode, we titled it, or she titled it because she's better at titles than I am, um, advice that we would give ourselves if we would listen. How many times do you wish you could go back and tell yourself um, a piece of advice that you would have listened to? Um, as I wish I wouldn't have gone into the casino. I wish somebody would have told me, hey, be careful with this. This could be a problem. Um, or maybe somebody wishes that somebody told them not to download the apps, you know, because it would be a problem. But I really think back on the one piece of advice I wish that I had told myself early on. The thing I would have told myself is to work on being happy within. I know it sounds cliche or maybe it doesn't make sense uh, to you, but to me, I feel like that was the missing piece in me is that I, I was always looking for happiness through somebody else or from somebody else or from something like gambling um, or shopping or, you know, I was always looking, I feel like I was always looking for happiness from the wrong places. And now in recovery, I know how important it is to, to just find happiness within, figure out what's going to bring joy to my life. And I know that that's the biggest part of, of just staying on the right track and, and finding, finding a purpose again. And that all has to, has to start with me and how I feel it can't be given to me by anybody else. So yeah, that's, that's the advice I'd give to myself if it makes any sense at all, but <laughs> to me, it kind of does. So hi, Kitty. Welcome back to the Kitty Chronicles. What are we talking about today? Hi, Christina. Thanks for having me back. I want to talk about things that I would like to tell myself if I thought I would listen, like advice I would give. Okay. And uh, the caveat there is if I thought I would listen, you know <laughs> what I mean by that, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely do. Yeah. So, um, that's okay. We're not, we're not judging ourselves. It's just maybe if there's a tiny nugget of things I hear myself say now, that can be a reminder going forward. Um, what we really want to do is when we recognize that there's something that would probably bless our lives to get squared away, to, to get right on it and start working uh, at moving towards making that happen versus maybe I'll, I don't know what, quit smoking in 10 years. I got the gambling thing to deal with now. Maybe I'll quit smoking in 10 years. Or we could also move towards quitting smoking now. So it's yeah. not, yeah, it's not this big like um, finger waggy thing of you need to do this, this, and this for your life. By the way, I'm just here representing myself as a woman in long-term recovery from gambling disorder. Um, I am the executive director of a nonprofit in Oregon called Voices of Problem Gambling Recovery. If folks want to get a hold of me, they can reach me through VPGR uh, on our website, vpgr.net. But this is just you and me 
kind of throwing the ball around. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Here's my first shortcut to feeling good again, women in, in recovery. Ready? Ready. Forgive yourself. This is number one. Yes. Hmm. How's that going? I'm doing okay with it. I can say this. I think somebody asked me this question a couple months ago mm-hmm. and I was still struggling with mm-hmm. forgiving myself, but mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. I forgive myself. Um, because I know how important it is to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I challenge folks to picture their gambling as this kind of goblin that lives in a a cage, hopefully that we have nice thick chain wrapped around and cartoonishly oversized locks. And mine has a bratty child actor voice. I try to listen and, and I'm, Right. <laughs> like from the, from those eighties Hallmark specials, just really bad acting that you go, Oh, please stop talking. I don't want to hear that tone. Um, that's my, my gambling voice. And so when I hear that shamey talk of you not just caused harm, but you're a mess and, and horrible things, I try to have it be in that, that voice. Like, Oh, I know who you are. You're trying to, you're, you're the gambling. You're trying to keep me down. Uh, that's its job. Um, I have to correct that to, Hey, I had a neurological disorder that the reward center in my brain got wired weird and I got chemically hijacked and I'm doing everything I can think of to work on fixing that now. And, um, I forgive myself and I gotta like, like literally say that, uh, to, to make it better, you know? We can just go ahead and tell everybody listening that you uh-huh. have a beautiful bulldog <laughs> and we can hear snoring because we picked it up in one of the previous episodes, but I love it. No, I love that animals are part of it. Like you should. Yeah. Usually when my cats are in here, it's, it's chaos. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to say that in case anybody <laughs> was wondering. Oh, bless his heart. He brings me great joy, but he's a loud one. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so, um, secondly, and we're going to do a whole nother episode on this because it's just so important is correcting my irrational or unhelpful thoughts. Mm. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, do you have any of those? Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I have a ton of them. Um, let me see. Let me think of one. I actually made a list, um, the other day when we were talking about this. Yeah. One of my most irrational thoughts is, and this is a big one, is that I'm not worthy of the good that comes in my life because of all the bad that I've done. And that's a, that's a big one to talk about because I see a lot of people, myself included, when things start happening. Mm-hmm. I get this irrational thought that I don't deserve it. And I will self-destruct. I will try and, and, and self-sabotage it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like good things happening to us can be unfamiliar and that's mm-hmm. unpleasant. And when, when you read these things about gambling that are like gamble to escape negative feelings, it's like, oh no, we also gamble <laughs> to escape good ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And it's so nice to hear people normalize talking about that, that I, or even being celebrated or you're getting a lot of praise for 
doing this podcast. People are saying there is a niche in the market that this is needed of your voice and your energy and women-based and just what you're doing here. And, and how do you react to that when, when you hear that kind of praise? Oh my goodness. I shut her in. Right. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like, and I, and I, I'm going to be honest, I do hear a lot of that and it, and I think people will probably, and I think you've said this too, like I will usually move past it as quickly as I can mm-hmm. because I, I'm starting to get to a place where it's not that I don't feel like I deserve it because I'm working my ass off mm-hmm. and I want to help others. And I know, so I'm starting to kind of find that balance mm-hmm. of, of it's okay if somebody says, thank you for helping me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just, it still just does not feel like I deserve it. So that, that's something I am struggling with. Yeah. I, I wonder if we just are so, so programmed to have negative messages on a loop in our head that I'm not worthy and I'm broken and I'm unlovable and I always fail that we have to counter correct in a way that, that we actually do like hype scripts or something like I, maybe I'll write it down for you on make it your screensaver on your phone <laughs> or something that a, alarm goes off and 30 times a day you'll hear ting ting and, and you look at your phone and then you'll have to say I'm helping this community I'm being brave I'm working hard I have something to contribute I'm magical what would it hurt if we just started reprogramming pathways to say things like that is that okay yeah absolutely and I think and that's that's what does that is what's helping me is just recognizing that it's okay um, for me to help others while I'm helping myself. Um, and what I have to say is valuable to some, you know, and maybe not so much to someone else and that's okay. But mm-hmm. I just, when I ha- do have those negative thoughts, I just try so hard to push past them because I think by pushing past them, you know, if I, if I got stuck in them, then there wouldn't be a podcast. There wouldn't be another episode. Yeah. And I don't know that that hangs me up worse. So, you know why? Cause this podcast is really um, unique and probably uh, capturing your essence. When you think, when you hear an episode come out and listen to it and how much you cover with your guests, do you ever feel that kind of uh, zing of, of just sort of bliss? I don't know if it's bliss, but it's, it's definitely, I feel this, this sense of just, a, just brightness. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the sense of like, so this is why I had to experience what I experienced mm. so that I could have an understanding of this. So that I could have this conversation with somebody and have this enormous sense of compassion and empathy that I wouldn't have had, had I not experienced the trauma and of, of addiction. And I think it, it becomes to this moment where I'm just like, I turn this moment of I'm not worthy into I'm grateful yeah. for this experience. Yeah. And, and I think some of us go from I'm grateful to I'm part of this universal consciousness web of connectivity. And I want to be part of helping other folks not suffer in the same way I did if I can. And that'll give my life meaning. 
So that's why I think I do stuff I do for advocacy and outreach and helping people with gambling disorders is because it's now part of my essence to try to minimize that suffering. Yeah. And it's part of, it's part of my recovery. You know, it's part of the service work to help others. And by helping others, it, it just, I don't know. It helps me. Yeah. Yeah. And as we get better at it, it, we get more skill. We, we get more ideas that we can kind of draw from the creative well of folks in gambling recovery. I mean, I probably don't have a unique idea in my brain. It's just stuff I'm repeating that I've heard other people say and maybe switch it around a little and found how it worked in my own life. Uh, but by building this kind of handbook on ways we can live our lives in recovery and then also having more challenges going out there by taking on podcasts or doing advocacy work or being in a nonprofit or something. Uh, You get that flow where the skill and the challenge interact. And that's where it gets really fun. And that's where I feel essence happening. So I don't know, it may surprise folks when they start looking at what they really enjoy. But um, have you ever seen those Marie Kondo shows where she holds um, mm-hmm. up an old t-shirt or something? Oh, and yeah. She, yeah. She, she just like, bl- talk about bliss, bliss, right? She goes, you know, that little, mm, she says, it's so sweet. And like the podcast to me is like, mm, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a lift there or, um, animals or um, things in our lives. Um, it may surprise you. I, uh, yesterday morning, I was really wanting to have my, my one day off and to sleep in. And as it turned out, um, I ended up doing some data management work with a um, statistician that's part of my agency. Uh, just looking at how we gather data of the efficacy of folks that we work with in our peer program. And I found myself getting really into it. Like, who is this that's doing their Excel spreadsheet at sunrise on a Saturday and really looking forward to the gratitude of being able to talk with a professional that knows how to do this kind of thing. And I'm like, I bring it. I welcome it of figuring out what my next defining kind of joy essence is going to be. Um, I also to do that need to do what they talk about in 12 step programs where you stop fighting everyone and everything. And cause that's such a, an energy sink. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it can be, oh, I don't know. My car got towed recently out of the spot that I pay for to rent. (laughs) And, and, and it's easy to go to this, like, I'll I'll get you and, you know, raising my fist to the sky. And it's like, well, I got my car back and I didn't end up having to pay for it. And really like, can we just crack on? Yeah. How much energy do I want to throw chase that with. So I do try to pick fewer battles and, and then look at the battles I'm picking and put a couple more of those back. Um, I have learned the last few years, um, I was given the advice from a supervisor to ask myself when I start leading that self-righteous charge in my mind um, of like, is this the hill I want to die on? Mm. Just, just ask yourself, do you want to do you want to make a big deal about that? Or do you want to go focus on what matters? So I do want to keep trying to move towards what is, is it maybe your values? Do people know what their values are? 
You know, that's a good question. I think a lot of times we take on the values of maybe our parents or the people that are in the ways that we grew up. So, you know, those changes, we get older. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, I think it's important maybe to step, to take a step back and kind of really assess what those values are. And I think that's a, an important step in recovery is just identifying with what you truly believe in and what you truly um, think about situations and things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not the, the, just Norman Rockwell painting of my parents' values that I thought it would be. I'm finding mine are quite different than that, that um, like humor is one of them. And that um, there's this kind of, I don't know what to call it, but when I look at my careers, they've, many of them have involved helping people and being able to be in a close orbit to others. If that was in human resources where I could be, part of giving someone a job offer, really high point in their careers, their lives, or ending their careers if, if there needed to be a termination of their employment um, and, and doing uh, peer support work, you get really an inside look into very private details of what's happening in people's lives. Um, and I, I find that that's very important to me part of my values to be trusted with that and to be able to be grounded and present for that. Um, I was asking folks close to me lately of what they see as my essence when they see me have that Marie Kondo t-shirt moment of like, Ooh. and um, in fact, my partner and I were just kind of walking around town and I was thinking, well, it's like cold out and maybe I can do something to help folks. There's a lot of people sleeping outdoors here in Portland with some hand warmers and just comfort items and, and snack and things. And so we were talking about it then he goes, well, I think you like to help people, but I also think you like to look good doing it. And I was deeply hurt. Like, am, am I trying to be some kind of like Instagrammer, um, you know, like, Hey, everybody just- influencer. Yeah. Or just, you know, like kind of self-congratulatory humanitarian something, something. So um, being as evolved as I am, I just kind of like let that settle for the day and circle back to it later that night. And, and what we figured out is that um, what I'm actually doing is trying to see what everyone else is doing and how they react to what I'm doing. And does that make me okay? I'm looking for validation. So he said, no, I meant more like when you testify in front of the legislature and you get good feedback that that was effective, you're really happy because there's other times where it doesn't go as well or as planned and you get pretty upset by it. So I think that this is just part of that irrationality in my brain that's telling me I'm weird, I'm broken, I don't do anything right, I'm a failure. And when I'm able to find evidence that I'm connecting, and if that's doing good to help someone, or getting feedback from a talk or something that people enjoyed being there, got something out of it, um, that helps stoke my essence and, and validate that I'm part of this belongingness. There's so many layers to it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, do something every day for, in our case, your recovery in folks that aren't coming back from an addiction, just yourself. Um, my, um, 
my husband, my ex-husband, um, is uh, doing something he read about in a book um, that he does something new every day. And if that's like climb a mountain or uh, learn a new language or attend a lecture on impressionists or something, but he makes the lists and schedules it. And he says it's been just like the last 40 days have been just the most dopamine driven, exciting time of his life um, that he's just thoroughly enjoying this. So I don't know, is that something we could do for ourselves with our recovery of check out a new online meeting or um, get a massage or something for self-care? That self-care stuff counts as something towards our recovery. Oh, absolutely. I read a book yeah. and I think I've talked about this book um, about a woman who took a walk every single day and she made it her goal for a year to take a 30 minute walk. Yeah. Rain, snow, ice. Yeah. But what was so profound about it is she did it for her own health care, but she also looked at the world differently every day because as the light changed, she'd see the same barn, but in a different color, you know, because of the way the light shone or, you know, just recognizing things in everyday life um, and looking at it in a different, different light. And that gave her some perspective and other things, you know? So yeah. 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 It's a great thing to do. That, that thing about going for walks too is um, it's a different experience going for a walk with someone where you're visiting as you walk than if you're going alone. And I find that if I pair things together, that helps increase my motivation. So if I, there's other podcast, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I see, I see other podcasters. Oh, all right. All right. Holy podcast. See how and, things are going here. Right. And you get, so it's hard to keep up. Like I get a little <laughs> panicky when I got like seven in my queue and, and heaven forbid, like you go, Oh, did you listen? To, and it was like, Oh, behind the little light so those often happen either driving or cleaning house which almost never happens and or walking um going to the gym or something that can be podcast time so I like combining those where I'm both being in an environment or doing something for myself but also doing something for my mind and my connection with the recovery world um yeah combine them vegan cooking it doesn't have to be about recovery, just something you're into or comedy. That's going to be another one. Like, let's just go to that one of doing something to laugh every day. Like if you just kind of hang around, if you're, I don't know, in your home for much of your time, um, it's hard to laugh. Like, like just hanging out on the couch. Isn't very funny. Maybe your pets do something funny, um, but that's even funnier if you have someone to, to share it with. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to deliberately, actively take effort and and get more neurotransmitters from laughing? Do you do you have like a, a, a laugh plan, a laugh wellness plan? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get super deep here. Mm. I take talk. It's so fun. Isn't I it? watch TikTok <laughs> because, and I'm seriously before, and I, when I was in early recovery, I wasn't, I didn't know much about TikTok. Um, I wasn't really into all these things, but when I was in early recovery, I would go to YouTube and I would watch cat videos because early in those early days, I was so angry and just so like down. And I just, I wanted to laugh. I knew like instinctively that I needed to laugh. Mm-hmm. And so I went to YouTube and I would just download 
I mean, just watch funny cat videos and I could just laugh. And then somehow somebody sent me a TikTok and it just, that just started a whole nother world of like funniness. And so now when I'm, and I try not to spend too much of my time, I don't have a lot of time and I, so I don't spend too much of my time, but when I need a laugh, Mm -hmm. I will go to TikTok. And you know that that's where you can dose it and that it's pretty innocuous. You might lose a little time, um, but you got in control and that's a place where you can get the, the dipper from the, the funny bucket and give yourself a little sip. And yeah. it just, I think we have got to plan that. I really think everyone needs to laugh. So when I think of stuff that makes me just guffaw and I have a, a weird laugh. I'm told it sounds like a harpoon seal. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe like I program myself that that's where I get the, the best neurotransmitter dose when that laugh happens. Um, it, it's a little embarrassing, but when I play this game, cards for humanity, um, oh, yeah. you know, that yep. it's pretty, it's pretty silly. I just, my face hurts afterwards. My chest hurts. Like there is just so much deep laughing. Um, I uh, live near a comedy club in Portland, Oregon. And before the pandemic, I used to go to, um, they had a thing where you could get like free tickets if you had a a two item minimum. And so I would go with friends from GA like every week and we were broke because we're like new in gambling recovery. So we'd get like a uh, one item was like a root beer and one item was like a scoop of ice cream. And we're like, all right, two items. So we make a root beer float and spend $4. And that would be like, we would have a whole night of being at a comedy club and not every single joke was funny, but it was setting, like making the effort to put ourselves in a place where we could laugh. But I am all about, if you um, have like Spotify or a streaming service, put a comedy thing on Mm -hmm. and and if someone is saying stuff that tickles you, then figure out who that person is and listen to their whole show and then buy a ticket to see them live and go be around other people that like that comedian. If there's someone in one of the groups you're in that makes you laugh, form a friendship with them and spend time with them and, and laugh with each other. So important. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I I have a list of comedians that I just, I will put on like YouTube or one of their Netflix specials or something like that. And just crack me up. You know, what's fun is when you're around other people that like the same ones, and then you can kind of remember some of the punchlines and then just kind of be like 27 and you both are like, Oh, hilarious. Okay. Here's another one. Build tiny habits. I know sometimes we get this thought that I'm just going to recreate myself and never eat a bite of gluten or um I'm gonna make my bed with hospital corners every morning we just have like these big perfectionist goals and those are difficult to maintain and so so science says that by making tiny gradual changes that's where we're gonna get the most result and the most sustainability and so um I've heard it called tiny habits And I mean, let's just think of one thing, like um, taking your medication. Um, If people take a vitamin or um, some kind of antidepressant or or just any kind of medication, it's probably pretty important to get that in your body at the prescribed amount of time. Some of them have a very narrow window. Like you don't want to be off by more than an hour or two. So you could set an alarm. You could keep the bottle. What's something you do every day? Brush your teeth every morning. 
I yeah, and I and I have pills that I take every night, and I have them on my my side table, and um, yeah, or just yeah, just uh, I've made myself start to take um, vitamins every day. I was never really a vitamin person, yeah, um, but I noticed I was my hair was like falling out, and yeah. so um, I started taking just making a new habit of just taking my vitamins every day. Yeah. And you had to make a, a process that worked, that was set up to make it easy to do that. If you had to go, um, drive to, um, the store to buy a single vitamin pack every day, it might not happen every time. Make right. it, yeah. As easy as possible that it's right there next to your alarm clock. As you put yourself in bed for the night. Um, you also might want to start thinking, um, just listeners about how to do that with some of the really important things in our life that we're trying to make changes on and to implement those as soon as possible. So I think for many of us, we struggle with the convenience of food and that we have trouble planning for feeding ourselves properly. And so we end up driving through and fast food and grabbing nonsense food. And so that's guilty. No, not, I'm not blaming, I feel it. Um, and I, you know, have my self-righteous prepped lunches ready to go and, um, you know, little things of vegetables to keep on your desk or something. That's such a nice tiny habit to have. That's really changed my life is to fuel my human suit properly. Um, if I'm eating nonsense and especially for years at a time, I get like inflammation, I get depressed, I just, it's hard to move and then I don't exercise and there's just so many consequences to it. So um, just making those tiny changes, have a walk buddy where you're just moving a little, um, just make it fun. There, when we get in pain from our, from our bodies, just not having what they need, let's try to fix what that is. If you're in a sedentary job where you're sitting all day and your back hurts, can you have like one of those stand-up desks or something? Can you switch jobs? Um, just make, make those changes for it. All right. I know you do. I mean, we, we have to really actively work on that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, um, like at work, like when I'm at work, I have to get up and walk around mm -hmm. uh, the office and just, just move more um, when I'm here sitting. And cause I usually am at the office all day. I have a sedentary job. Mm -hmm. I'll take a walk at lunch. I'll walk around the building or I'll come home. And then usually a lot of times I'm at my desk at home because I'm, I'm editing or, or recording or something like that, but I have a stand up desk. So mm -hmm. I'm able to stand up and, and move around. Yeah. I'm just amazed how many times I hear from folks that I, I work with, with their gambling disorders, that they have physical pain, uh, a bone or a surgery or a back or um, that they're, that by gambling, that it kind of medicates and, and studies with older adults that just a huge percentage of older adults have physical pain and develop a gambling disorder because that escape we get also takes us out of the pain that that neurotransmitter masks it so I want to try to do I mean I want to look okay too 
<laughs> it, it feels better to move when I'm not carrying. I mean, think how much a bowling ball weighs. What's that like 10 or 15 pounds? Oh, I can't even so, tell you. Yeah. So there's been times in my life where I was walking around with 10 or 15 bowling balls strapped to my body. Mm. Come on. Yeah. Like, how was I supposed to get by feeling like that? It was really hard on me. And so I have to actively make that one of my priorities. Um, that said, with like physical pain and, and taking care of our own human suits, um, what about just taking care of big things in our life? And if that's other health issues, um, getting the proper care, the proper insurance to be able to get the proper care, the referral. People are having a lot of trouble getting in with counseling right now. A lot of people sought out counseling during the pandemic and many counselors have full practices. So it's kind of this um, sad irony that at the time we need it the most to go get someone who can really help us put things in place in our minds. And we're the least equipped to be able to do that because we're suffering. Mm. And if, if listeners are having trouble with that, please keep at it until you get some help and do not be ashamed um, to go to like family members or an EAP at work and be like, yeah, I'm just having some struggles right now. And it would be really good to have someone formal to talk to about this. Let's normalize that of dealing with those big things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another big thing can be an unhappy marriage. Um, mm. That's part of my story. Um, here's a funny thing. I was talking to my, my husband the other day and um, we were just talking about like grief and healing and relationships and my gambling was so bad boy I just lied to that man and cheated and stole and I mean I was just I just really did not deliver on the spouse contract very well and I desperately wanted him to forgive me when he ended our marriage over gambling and I've tried to think what did he expect me to be? What did he think I was capable of when he married me? And was that realistic? And is that who I am? And should I uh, figure out ways to make myself more like that with some tweaks to make them authentically mine? And um, just kind of taking measure of that in the last 10 years since we got divorced, um, I'm like pretty pretty close to like, he's not mad at me anymore. He does. He says he doesn't have any ill will towards me anymore. And he has so many reasons to that would not have happened if we stayed married. Um, we're better as friends. We live yeah. like 10,000 miles apart and this is what we're supposed to be now. So as simple as it was, I'm, I'm glad that we got divorced, um, leaving jobs that don't work for us. That could be a big thing that people go like, Oh, I need the income. I have this mortgage or these financial needs. So I'm stuck at this job that just sucks my soul all day. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People have that. Do you hear that from folks? Yeah. All the time. But, and people just feel, you know, and I think that that plays into a lot of why people do gamble is because they're not where they, where they want to be in life. They're not working the dream job or, or, um, but they feel stuck for, you know, whatever reason. Yeah. And I, and it's pretty, it's pretty privileged and Pollyannish to be like, well, then just go change it. Right. I, I don't think that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying 
for one, stop gambling with all your power and try to get happy again. But if we don't deal with these big things, there's probably reason to believe it's going to come back. Yeah. So please start chiseling away at what things you can control. If that's an educational part that you can just gradually take classes or switching companies or setting your boundaries, um, please figure out how to not create a life that you don't want to live so that you feel like you have to escape from it. Cause this revolving door of addiction has been kind of exhausting for me. I mean, I, I've been working on some form of addiction or another for about 35 years. And I just, I would, I just think my energies can be used in other ways. Like, yeah. like what I'm doing now to help other people that are suffering than continuing to battle those demons on my own. All right. Um, handle your business. And by that, I mean, money issues. Um, we get real sad when we've got the debt and the IRS and people coming after us. Um, so we have the goal that we want to be financially in a sustainable place, but you know, a goal without a plan is just a dream. So you got to make a plan. And I know you've mentioned that we didn't create this financial challenges overnight and it's, can we fix it overnight? No, absolutely not. But we can work on it every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's not scary to look at it every single day. Like when you make a system, it, it loses its power. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's desensitizes. It desensitizes you to it, you know, so that you can uh, kind of takes, I kind of talk about it being comfortable in the, um, being comfortable in the fear of things, you know, like we may not necessarily know hundred percent how it's going to work out in the end, but, uh, working on it every day, we know we're working towards making it what we want it to be. Totally. Yeah. And that's, I, we did a whole episode on money. Um, I mean, I think that was one of our big takeaways is that we tend to do the, the ostrich bit mm -hmm. of like, la, 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 la. And even, you know, what's wild is when people go like, oh, I'm, I'm going to, um, go through a, a chapter seven or a chapter 11. And it's like, okay, you'll, you'll get a clean slate. And then I heard someone say, but there's, um, there's a bill collector trying to reach me. So I've just been ducking them. And it's like, well, no, no, no. What if, what if you found out what they wanted and included that in your reorganization Exactly. Done versus yeah. always looking over our shoulder forever? We, we've got to make a plan for that. Um, I've had to learn to live within my means, um, to not medicate with money or or buying that I feel happier when I have a little uh, fudge zone in the bank of comfort that if something were to happen with my health or my job or my bulldogs, I mean, those are expensive little gremlins to keep alive. <laughs> um, but it's nice to have um, the security it gives me um, more freedom to be, I don't know, a little braver. And that is my final thought of stuff I wish I had felt like I could really hear years ago is to, to show up, to say yes to things and to be courageous. And that can even be saying yes to ourselves. I mean, yes, yesterday I had a couple hour chunk of time with some choices of things to do with it. And I just had this really interesting idea that I don't have often which is like, what if I cleaned my house on a Saturday? Right? Like, right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> what would that be like? Would that feel good? Is that something I could show up for? And 
um, and be brave. Um, so, um, you know, there's, a, I lived in France for a while and um, the way, it, one way to say good luck in France, in French is uh, bone courage, which means like literally translated means like have courage. Isn't that a wild way to say good luck? Think about it. Oh yeah, I like it. Like, like be brave. Not like may the energies of the universe bless you with winning or something, but, but you say like, go be brave, go have courage. And so I, I am trying to say that to myself and there it's within like a certain context. So like, we don't want to be the reckless kind of risk-taking brave. Does that part of your story? Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I think I was, I was a little bit, yeah, a little bit of just like, I, and I, it's funny you mentioned this. I was talking to somebody about this earlier is whenever, and I think we've talked about this too, about the pumpkin. Yeah. Setting oh yeah. The store. My, my secret desire to steal pumpkins. From sometimes. Yeah. Stores. Yeah. Thank you. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, you have those moments of like beating the system. Like I want to mm. beat the system. Um, mm. whether it's, um, before it was just like, I don't know if I wrote a check and I had money in my account. This is when I was gambling and I had money in my account. I would, I would want to take the money sitting in the account, even though I know there's something against it Mm. and go and gamble the money thinking I'm going to double it, be able to put it back in and beat the check to the bank. Yeah. And even though 99.6% of the time that did not work, um, I still, there was just like this reckless thought of, mm-hmm. of doing that. And even coming into recovery, I still kind of noticed that these reckless thoughts of like trying to just beat the system in whatever yeah. capacity it was, whatever was in front of me, I'm just like, how can I, how can I beat this? Or how can I um, not do what they want me to do, but still do it? Like, does that make sense? It does. And, and I just, I wonder if there's a way to channel that vibe, that kind of um, risk hit to something that's a little more of uh, substance that's that we're living more consistently with our values now. So if that's like you're taking a risk by putting yourself out there doing this podcast, I, I, I mean, maybe someday down the road, you're going to want to go be like CFO of a fortune 500 company or something. I don't know if that's in your plans. Well, now your name's like all over the internet is having a gambling disorder. So yeah, you've taken a risk, haven't you? But we're doing risk in a way. I did the same thing of, um, I don't know. I kind of, I think I target myself with my career that I'm extremely outspoken in Oregon when I see stuff that is like nonsense laws and nonsense behaviors and things. I go like, wait, what's this now? Like, I'm going to publicly talk about um, shining light. It puts me um, up for being publicly just noticed. And, and do you know who Glennon Doyle is, the author? She, I she, don't know her off the bat. She wrote a book called Untamed. Highly recommend. Um, she just wrote a journal that goes with it. And she has she has just these really lovely kind of soundbite phrases. But one of them is something like, I don't know if these are exact words, but like the braver I am, the luckier I get. And as people that identify with like luck being one of our things we're interested in, 
that just really resonated with me. The braver I am, the luckier I get. Hmm. And um, you know what? In some ways, that's true. By being brave, I have found a lot of uh, reward from that, that I've made connections with people that helped me get a job I love or um, adopt animals that I wouldn't have otherwise thought would make sense for my life and have so much reward for it. So the braver I am, the luckier I get. Um, I Interestingly, there was a program she did the other day as part of the launch from her journal, where I think a woman from Pakistan called in and said, I live in a society where women speaking out against misogyny is not welcome. And I do not find as someone who's marginalized that the braver I am, the luckier I get. Um, that very much creates problems for me. And it's like, huh, that's interesting if um, that might be another one of those kind of privileged statements that for some people it's like, yeah, go for it. Put yourself out there 100%. Know that you can deal with the consequences if things don't work out. Um, for other people, it could be really damaging. So I think in, in the spirit of the like, I want to be brave as part of advice to myself and recovery. Um, I also want to mitigate risk and have some insulation around me and make um, planned choices of the brave things I'm going to do and have like a contingency plan and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think that's, that's a great way to have a little bit of both, both worlds. Yep. Yeah. Great. Um, would, would it be okay if I just listed my top 10 advicey things to myself so I can remember them too? As yeah. We go out? Yeah. All right. Ready? Number one, forgive yourself. Correct your irrational and helpful thoughts. Figure out your essence or your values. Do something every day to help your recovery. Take care of your human suit. Build tiny habits. Make a plan to deal with your big, hairy, audacious struggles, whatever they could be. Handle your business in terms of your money. Make sure you laugh a lot and be. Uh, say the last one one more time. Be brave. Bone courage. Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. Thanks again for um, joining us and sharing, sharing the things that you would tell yourself if, if you would listen. Uh, I like it. So we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye, Christina. Thank you. Quick note that this episode is sponsored by Gamban, which we appreciate very much. So check them out at gamban.com. They offer blocking software to help keep you off the online gambling sites. And they're a wonderful company uh, built by people with lived experience and people affected by gambling harm.